Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for November 21st. How is everybody? My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF 21 Sports underscore on Instagram, at ETOF 21 Sports on TikTok, and of course at ETOF 21 on Twitter. How is everyone doing today? Can you believe Thanksgiving is less than a week away? Which kind of brings me, I really have no idea what I'm doing for Thanksgiving. I don't know if I'm going to be going home to see my parents. Both my parents are a little, are, are old. And I don't want to give them the virus. I am, for the most part, try to self-isolate, but I do interact with people. And I am in Cook County, and Cook County is a hotbed. So I really don't know if I'm going to be going home. If I do go home, the schedule of this will obviously change. I will have one out on Monday, as I normally do. Uh, next week, Saturday, may come out Friday, may come out Sunday morning. It just kind of depends on traveling, like I said, if I go off or not. So I will keep you guys updated with posts on what I intend to do. But you can definitely tell everyone kind of is on edge here with all this COVID and how they stress. Just the other day, I went to Trader Joe's, and I admit it, guys. Trader Joe's orange chicken is the shit, and I love that. So they have it in the frozen section, and that's my jam. I love Trader Joe's orange chicken. So I decided, hey, you know, might not treat yourself this weekend. Go get Trader Joe's orange chicken. So I go there and get my orange chicken, and I'm pulling out, and this lady is going the other way. And I kind of, I didn't think anything of it. I pulled out. She slams on her brakes. She starts honking at me, giving me the middle finger, saying how I almost hit her. And her window's full blown down and she's yelling at me. I crack my window a little bit and I go, I'm sorry. And she goes, you almost hit me. Do you not watch where you're going? And I kind of pointed to her. I'm like, well, you're going this way. I'm going the other way. I didn't think it would be an issue. Then then proceeds to like give me the middle finger more, tell me I don't know how to drive, telling me I'm an awful person. I just looked her in the eye and I said, ma'am, you're obviously being hit hard by this COVID and Thanksgiving Day stress. I'll just take the L and said I fucked up, even though I have no idea what I did. You have a lovely day. She then proceeded to get out of her car while I'm driving away and walking toward my car, giving me the middle finger. So yeah, needless to say, people out here in the Chi-Town area are a little cray-cray with everything that is going on. So be safe because people are fucking crazy. People are beyond fucking crazy. But anyway, you guys don't want to hear me ramble and wander about the crazy shit that goes on in my life. We had an interesting weekend of sports with the NBA draft, NBA free agency, NBA trades, the whole nine yards. The NBA draft took a sour turn when it they announced that Warriors star Klay Thompson has a serious injury that he picked up during a pickup game. You have to wonder if that injury changed the plans of the Golden State Warriors going into the draft. Does Jay Wiseman really move the needle for them? For next year's team, it does nothing. Long term, if they can, because they do have a good developmental system, Wiseman will improve and it will help them not this year, but the following year. There was a big rumor trade that Wendell Carter Jr. to the Warriors. Now you throw Wendell Carter Jr. in with Clay, Curry, Wiggins, Green. In my eyes, that team is the favorite to come out of the West if you put Wendell Carter Jr. in that mix. But 
Clay got hurt. And the thing that people don't realize with Clay is Clay, he's easily one, if not the most underrated player in the NBA. He's their best on ball defender for a wing. And he has shown that he can be an alpha and take over a game. Everyone always gets on the Curry hype train, but you guys remember that game, uh, what was it, game six against OKC? He, if it's not for Klay Thompson, the Warriors are not winning that game and making it to the NBA final and end up winning a champ. No, they lost. That was the game they lost. That was a series they lost to the Cavs. But the, regardless, they don't end up winning that game. They don't end up going to the finals. And the Thunder probably may have won, may have not, but since they made the finals, KD probably would have stayed there. So a lot of stuff is tied to that game where Thompson became became the alpha. So you take him out of the mix. What does that do? You lose a great on-the-ball defender. You lose a secondary score that shows he can be the alpha and take over the game in a playoff situation or a critical situation when needed. And also the other thing is, the amount of stress that he's able to relieve from Steph is amazing. He is able to take so much pressure off Curry that nobody ever talks about and allows Curry to be the great player he is. And losing him is a huge blow. I mean, granted, I know they got Kelly Obrey, and Obrey does fit great playing along Curry. I understand that. But Obrey's nowhere near the player that Clay Thompson is nowhere near the shooter, near the defender, near anything he is. And that team with that injury to Clay goes from a team that could possibly win a title to at best the bottom four seed in the West losing in the first round. Another thing that the Clay Thompson injury does is it also takes any chance that Giannis was going to leave the War, leave the Bucks and go to the Warriors off the table. If you're Giannis, you have to think out through his eyes. No Clay. Wiggins is Wiggins. He'll probably he'd have to be included in the trade, so I'm not even gonna talk him. Draymond Green got exposed last year for the bluff of the player he actually is. Without those two guys, Draymond is nothing, and he's aging, and he gets played way too much money. So he is nowhere near what we thought he was, and it got exposed for not being Charles Barkley, which he claimed to be. And they have Wiseman, a big that's going to clog everything up. If you're Giannis, why would you go there? That makes zero sense. That makes absolutely zero sense. So it's a kind of an interesting crossroad right now for the Warriors. What are they going to do? Are they going to look to move on from Clay? Because that's Clay's second serious injury. And those types of injuries take time. He's not. Is he going to be anywhere near what he was able to? It's an interesting call for Bob Myers to decide what he's going to do. Now, I mentioned Giannis. Now, let's look into that. That was a great couple moves that the Bucks made. Able to get Drew Holiday, who is another insanely underrated player in the NBA. He is one of the best defensive point guards. And like I wrote in the blog piece that's on my website, etof21sports, He's a common factor. He's not someone that's going to panic or press in a pressure situation. What Giannis does in a pressure situation is he presses, he tries too hard, silly shots, bad turnovers, silly fouls. Chris Middleton, in a pressure situation with stress, he does bad shots or he forces a bad pass to Giannis. 
Drew Holiday is going to be someone that's a calming factor and another person that can take an opposing player off the dribble and someone that you have to respect and stay home on. George Hill and Eric Bledsoe weren't hitting shots in the playoffs. Bledsoe at all. I mean, the worst thing that I believe the Bucks did was extend Eric Bledsoe just because they need someone that can stretch the floor and Bledsoe's lack of shooting just doesn't fit their system. But that's another point. I'm not going to dive into that. But then it came out that they also got Bordanovich, which is another great player. He can 40% on catch and shoot threes, great in handoff threes, can create off the dribble. You know, really a great player and a great player to to go into the mix. Then it came out that the NBA is investing tampering and everything fell apart. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but did the NBA stop this move because they want Giannis to go to a different city? They don't want the Bucks to be a contender? I don't know. There's a lot of conspiracies out there with the NBA. And way back when, I used to be a decent basketball player. I have friends that have graduated on to play in the NBA still work in the NBA in front office. And I know a lot of little NBA's dirty little secrets. I can tell you guys stuff that would blow your mind. I mean, it was just amazing the stuff that I know that goes on in the NBA that is just never reported on. And this tampering stuff, it happens all the time. There's all these under-the-table deals, teams, talking, all this stuff. It goes on all the time. And it's really interesting to me why the NBA is electing to punish the Kings and the Bucks. Do they want Giannis to move? Do they want Giannis to go to a bigger market where obviously TV is a lot, is a lot more sexier? Seeing Giannis in Miami is a lot more sexier than seeing him in Milwaukee. I don't know. I will do my research and talk to my guys. And if they tell me something I can share, I'll share. But a lot of the times that those guys tell me stuff, it's just, hey, this is what's going on. Don't repeat it on your podcast or anyone, which I get and I respect because I've known those guys forever. And that's the difference between my sources and the sources where you see these people on Twitter talk and say, oh, I have sources, my source, my source, my source. Here's the thing about sources. Sources are usually an agent or someone that works for the agent that tells one of these beat reporters, example, hey, Westbrook's in high demand. He's doing that to try to create buzz so that other teams will feel the pressure. Hey, if we really want this guy, we got to move on and take him. My sources are guys I grew up with, guys I played ball with, guys I went to their wedding. And if I ever pull the trigger and get married, guys, I will be at my wedding. Those are my sources. So they're straight up with me. They don't have any hidden motive. So as soon as I know something in regards to what's going on with this tampering thing, and if I'm allowed to share it, I will share it. Now, I'm not going to go through and comment on every free agent signing that took place on Friday or the ones that took place over the night, Friday and Saturday, as I'm recording this Saturday morning. Uh, But I will be posting detailed thoughts early next week with free agent and what I think of the signings and everything. But I do want to comment on one signing which I found kind of interesting. Actually, two. Dwight Howard and Seth Curry going to the mat, to going to the 76ers. Now, is Dwight Howard, who people forget, Dwight Howard took the Orlando Magic to a final. 
he used to be an MVP candidate. He was MVP, I believe. One of the most dominating big men in the game. Now, is he going to be able to go there and mentor Joel Embiid? Is he going to be finally able, the the person, to get in Embiid's air and tell him what it takes to be a great player in this league? If Howard is able to do that, and Embiid is able to elevate the Sixers and by elevating his game. That is by far the best signing of free agency so far because none of these free agents, I'll, I'll be honest, it's not that great. It's not that great of a year for free agents. That's that's just the way it is. But if he's able to go in there and Embiid takes a look in the mirror because of Howard and he is able to elevate his game and transcend the talent around him, that's a home run. That is a freaking home run by the 76ers. And that's the million-dollar question. Is Dwight Howard going to be able to do that? I don't know. I really don't know. And Embiid's kind of at that crossroads of his career. I'm not a Joe on Billy guy. I think he's the most overrated player in the game. He shows up to the bubble as out of shape as he does. I know for a fact he has people bringing him shakes and in and out and Five Guys and Whataburger, whatever burger joint, when he's on the road, his diet is awful. And he's going to be the guy you build around for a championship? What has Embiid done to show that he can be that type of guy? Nothing. Talent-wise, yeah, he's got, he's got talent. No, no doubt about it. But like I said, he needs someone that can get through to him. And if Dwight can, and I don't know if he will because I don't know how Embiid's going to take to it, that's a home run. Another thing is the Curry siding. Now, some of you may not know that Curry is the brother-in-law to Austin Rivers. Is Austin Rivers going to be able to coach Curry like he coaches anybody else? If he treats Curry differently, that's going to immediately create tension in the locker room. No one's talking about that. Is Rivers going to be able to coach him just like everyone else? Is he going to be harder on him, the same on him, or easy on him? That's something we need to monitor. The last thing, and this is going to be huge, Milton took a huge step forward toward, toward for the 76ers last year. Curry coming in immediately affects Milton's minutes and how much Milton is going to be on the court in those pressure situations. So if I'm Shane Milton and that signing, I'm already have a bad taste in my mouth. So those are two signings that could elevate the 76ers in terms of the Howard. Or if Howard, if Embiid gets pissed off that Howard's trying to coach him, like mentor him, coach him, whatever term you want to use, and Milton blows up because Curry's taking his minutes, that can implode in that locker room pretty fucking quick. And no one seems to be talking about that. But like I said, I will have a detailed breakdown on all the signings up on my website, etoff21sports.com, on Tuesday afternoon. So make sure you're looking for that. So the Seahawks defeated the Cardinals 28-21, cashing our minus three ticket. And we did hit our Larry Fitzgerald prop of over 36.5 yards. But my biggest takeaway from that Thursday night game is something is obviously not right with Kyle Murray. Maybe it was a shoulder. They kept on saying... 
shoulder injury on the broadcast, I actually turned up the volume just so maybe I could hear something just because, as all you guys know, when I watch a game, I have the sound off so I can use my eyes. And my eyes were telling me, Murray, something's not right with him. Something is not right with him. He wasn't playing like he was capable of, avoiding the hits, wasn't looking to run as much as he should have. So moving forward, I'm going to be monitoring this. I would love a beat writer to say, hey, Kyler Murray isn't 100%, but beat writers have just been awful this year. I follow, I have this Twitter account where I do nothing but follow beat writers. One of them posted something about a Steelers player's DoorDash getting stolen. Really? That's what it's come to. In the year where we the better, and the fantasy football player need more information than ever. We have goddamn beat writers talking about motherfucking DoorDash orders being stolen. Let that sing in for a minute. But back to the game, yeah, something's obviously wrong with with Kyler. I'm definitely going to be monitoring that moving forward because he's definitely a key to that Cardinals offensive attack. There's a lot of god-awful calls in that game. Have it be on the de- against both defenses. That extended drives that I wasn't a fan of. There was the targeting call against Seattle, I believe, to start the third or in the second. There was the personal foul where, I forget, I think, I forget the Cardinals players, but there was just some god-awful calls. Peterson shut down Metcalf again, and DK's kind of lost a little bit of scheme. I've been a big DK guy, but this is the second game in a row where Patrick Peterson basically shut him down, and... They're not, Wilson's not even looking for him. So I'm going to have to monitor that moving forward. Am I going to have to downgrade DK a little bit and uptick Tyler? Because he's going to Tyler a lot more just because he knows Tyler. He's been around Tyler. And you got to think of it like this. So let's say you just met a friend and you have a friend you've known for a longer time. Which friend are you going to trust more? Obviously the friend you've known for a longer time. And that's kind of what it is in terms of NFL players. You're obviously going to trust the person that you've known a longer time. So, yeah, it was it was a close game, but neither team played really well. Cardinals couldn't stop the run. Seattle's defense, I mean, I could run, pass, and catch on that defense in my fat ass the way I am now. Both these teams, in my eyes, are complete fades moving forward and teams that I, I think they're going to lose first round of the playoffs if the Cardinals make it in. Seattle, I mean, that game was big for Seattle just because now they have four games against teams with losing records. And they'll be able to move up and possibly solidify a first-round bye. Now, you got to remember, there's only one team that has the first-round bye this year. So that is why locking that up is so important because you can rest your players. And this NFL season has been nothing like we've had in the past. So getting that extra rest is so important. Like I said, they have four winnable games against losing teams. So that game was very big for Seattle. For the Cards, I mean, defensively, they they did play a little better. But offense, Murray, avoiding hits, and they just couldn't get... It just wasn't a good game for them. Their offense is capable a lot more. And defensively for the Cardinals, they did they play... They played a better game... But they still couldn't stop the run. Seattle's starting to run the ball more. And I really feel that in order for Russ to be Russ, they do need to run the ball more to levitate some pressure off of him. Now, I mentioned something about the playoffs with them possibly being able to move up, possibly even get the one seed. That brings me to Taysom Hill. 
in a move that just screams to me, Sean Payton's a fucking moron. And anyone that knows me and has listened to my Sean Payton rants, with as talented as the Saints roster has been the last three years, and for them to have zero Super Bowls is criminal. Criminal. That is a talented, loaded, talented roster for the last three years. And they just lose in games because Sean Payton just becomes, decides to get too cute and puts him Taysom motherfucking Hill. And now you're starting Taysom Hill when basically you, the Packers, and Seattle are all battling for that top spot? What the fuck are you doing? Taysom Hill is a gadget player. A gadget player. I Does Taysom Hill have something on Payton? Does he have nudes? Him in bed with another woman? Like, him in bed with a midget? Like, what the hell... Does he fucking have that is making Sean Payton play more? It just blows my mind. And this move is going to hurt the Saints' playoff chances. It, 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 it's a, just a mind-boggling move. And then you get to the fantasy aspect. Why the fuck is Taysom Hill listed as a fantasy tight end on ESPN and FanDuel? Some of you guys don't know this, that aren't part of my subscribers, I put out a cash game breakdown every Sunday morning. And I have guys, I have three or four guys every week, depending on the week that I build around. Now, with Taysom Hill being listed as a tight end, I immediately am going to have to have him in my FanDuel lineup just because I can't afford to be down 17 because Hill's putting up quarterback numbers in the tight end position. You just have to. And Someone could lose a fantasy football game that chances their playoffs just because ESPN listened to the tight end. A tight fucking end? That's just lazy. I'm sorry, but that's just lazy. And if I was a commissioner in charge of a league, I would say, hey, I'm taking him out. You guys can't lose him. If you play him, you're automatically disqualified from the league. Because there's no way he should be a tight end. That's bullshit, and everybody should know that. FanDuel will probably change it in a week. ESPN won't be able to change it. But, I mean, Hill's going to shit the bed. Winston will be in there in the next couple weeks because Breeze is going to be out at least three weeks. Yeah, but this is just a dumb move, just an idiotic move by Peyton and just, at the end of the day, gets to the root of the problem why the Saints haven't won another Super Bowl is Sean Payton is trying to outthink the room and be too cute. You're playing a team which is decent against the run and awful against the pass. So you have your rushing gadget quarterback. He's going to play. So you're basically going to be running the motherfucking Wildcat all fucking game? Boneheaded move by Payton. And why he is the reason why the Saints team has underachieved. Okay, now we're going to jump into what is quickly becoming one of my favorite parts. And judging by your guys' responses, one of your favorite parts of the show, the fantasy football starter sit aspect where you guys just shoot me your questions i will tell you if i was in your position who i would start and everything first one michael Pittman, sammy watkins or my boy mike williams so here's my thought process with this one yes i know michael Pittman fits the mole that philip rivers likes the big tall physical wide receiver but you have to factor in jahir alexander is Alexander going to be guarding Hilton or Pittman? My guess is he's going to be guarding Pittman. Alexander's been one of the better corners in the game this year. Granted, I do have Pittman projected at 
12 points even, but with the fear that Alexander is going to be guarding him, I wouldn't go with him. Sammy Watkins, I they play the Raiders, which the Raiders are averaging giving up 31.3 fantasy points per game to wide receivers, but what kind of game script is it going to be? I think the Chiefs' whole goal of this game is just to get out of there without any, any injuries. If they get up by a couple scores, how much is Mahomes going to be playing and how much are they really going to be throwing the ball? I only have him projected at 10.24 points for the the game and the fact that the game it's game script dependent. And I think this game could very possibly be a blowout because the Raiders lack so many pieces on defense due to the COVID-19 that I would stay away from Sammy Watkins. Which brings us to Mike Williams. I love Mike Williams, the football player. I would wish he played for my Lions. And I think he could be a number one in, in this league if he got more targets. I have him projected at 14 points. And the reason why, I know he's playing the Jets and you guys are probably saying, oh, well, isn't that another game script game? Let's back up here, guys. He's either going to be guarded by Basson Austin, who in the last two games has given up 20 targets. Of the 20 targets, there's been 15 receptions, 137 yards, two DDs. The rookie Bryce Hall, who has only played 15 snaps. And it's very hard for a rookie corner to understand the game, get the reps, if you get the do well if you're not getting the reps and getting the playing time. So I like that. And then also Lamar Jackson, who's giving up a perfect quarterback rating when targeted. So Mike Williams has this huge advantage in every statistical category. I expect he is going to be targeted the most out of any Charger wide receiver, and that's why in that situation, I would go with Mike Williams out of the three. Next question that was asked, Cooper Cup or Chris Godwin? See, this is another tough one, and it's got many layers. I have Cooper Cup projected at 16 points, and the... Bucks defense is averaging giving up what is it 27.5 points per game to wide receivers that is the 25th worst or the seventh best against wide receivers however you want to look at it in terms of fantasy points per game I have Godwin projected at 18 the Rams are giving up 21.6 points to wide receivers a game and they are the best against wide receivers so this is the thing, and it's going to require a little research on a simple question. Is Jalen Ramsey guarding Mike Evans, or is he going to guard Godwin? Whoever Jalen Ramsey is checking is a zero factor, and I really think it's going to be Mike. Gun to my head, I think it's going to be Mike Evans. So I would go with Godwin just because if... Ramsey has Evans. You're definitely going to want to go to the better matchup in Chris Godwin. And he's been playing the majority of snaps in the slot, and Brady likes the slot. The thing with Cooper Cup is, yes, I know he's Jared Goff's favorite wide receiver, but the Bucks do have some good linebackers that patrol the middle of the field and are good in coverage and is guarding the slot wide receiver. So with that being said, those two factors, I would go with Chris Godwin. But like I said... If it comes out tomorrow morning or later today that Ramsey is going to be shadowing Chris Godwin, then I would change it to Cooper Cup. But with the information I have right now that Ramsey is going to be on Mike Evans, I would go with Chris Godwin.
Next one we have Ezekiel Elliott or Antonio Gibson, another tough one. Cowboys are playing the Vikings. Vikings 13 best against the Rudge, averaging giving up 19.9 points a game. Washington is playing the Bengals. Bengals are 14th best of rush, giving up 20 points a game. So basically, it's the same defense in terms of performance against running backs. I have Gibson projected at 13, Zeke projected at 17. Reason is, as I really expect after the buy in Andy Dalton coming back in, I expect this to be a run-heavy game for the Cowboys. Andy Dalton is back, so you don't have to lean on the run game as much. So Elliott won't be facing as many eight-in-the-boxes scenarios that he had when you had the other two quarterbacks in there, Dianucci and the guy I'm spacing his name on. I'm sorry. In terms of Gibson, Gibson is always going to be a split share with J.D. McKesson, and Alex Smith is a check down Charlie, and the person he's going to target the most in the backfield is J.D. McKesson. So even though I loved Antonio Gibson this week, I don't love him as much this week just because the Bengals aren't the Lions against the run. So in that in this scenario, I would definitely go with Ezekiel Elliott. The other one, now this one is kind of an interesting one too, Antonio Gibson or Kerryon Johnson? Well, of course, no Lions beat writer has given out who's going to be the starting running back. But, gun to my head, it's a no-brainer. I'd definitely go with Kerryon Johnson because he's going to be more of the pass catcher. And you want the pass catcher against the Panthers. Defense. Panthers defensively struggle against running backs, especially running backs that are good out of the backfield. Like I've always said, set it and forget it when you play a, a running back versus the Panthers defense. Don't over outthink the room. The next one, which in my eyes is the easiest, Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa. Obviously, Herbert's playing the Jets. Jets are averaging giving up 21.7 points per game to the quarterback. That's fourth most in terms of fantasy points per game. You have the Denver Broncos who are averaging giving up 19.9 points per game to quarterback. That is 14th best. To me, no-brainer. You play Herbert. I have Herbert projected at 20 points per game. Plus, you get the rushing yards. Playing that Jets secondary, which is awful, against the pass. And also, I think the slipper is going to fall off in terms of Tua. Denver is a hard place to play, even with limited seating capacity. So I really think he's going to be up against it this week in Denver. Well, that's it, guys. I got to every question that I could. I don't like going over the 30-minute mark. Unfortunately, I did. So if I did not get to your questions, I will personally shoot you a DM and answer them. Sorry about that, guys. Thanks for the support. Keep sending the questions. I will generally answer five to six of them every week. Everyone else I'll just reply to in DMs. Stay safe. Be well. I will be back on Monday with my Reaction Monday episode. Just a reminder, packages are available if anyone's interested in my sports betting package for the day, week, month, whatever. We have college basketball starting up soon. So stuff is going. Hopefully we can beat this COVID-19 and keep the sports world going. Stay safe, be well, and I'll be back on Monday.